Um, good morning, everybody. I, modern technology here has to log, log in. Um, I brought a paper copy in case this thing fails. Um, but, uh, man, what an honor it is to be here, uh, be here with you guys this morning. The Rogers family is, is out of town at a funeral for uh, Lindsay's grandfather, and Rory asked me to pray about teaching, and so <clears throat> obviously that's what I did, and the Lord said, yes, uh, today is the day that I would have you uh, bring the word to his people. Um, I didn't, <clears throat> I, I spent a little time pondering, well, a lot of time, pondering what to, what to teach on, like, Lord, where, where would you have me? go this week, what, what would you have for your people to hear? Um, <clears throat> I started out in Romans and spent a little time making some notes and then that door slammed shut. So uh, we ended up in 1 John chapter 2 uh, this week and I just, <clears throat> I, I think that Maybe this is a word that the Lord would have for us because so June, month of June, uh, is is uh, Gay Pride Month. Um, America celebrates, or part of America celebrates Gay Pride Month in the month of June. And And 1 John teaches us that we cannot be of the world and be of God. And so, I want to have you guys open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 15. We're going to go through just a couple verses here. But uh, if you guys don't have a Bible, raise your hand and we will, somebody will hand you one. I will if nobody else will, but. Um, and so let me, let me, uh, Casey said that she was, if I taught, she was probably going to leave. So (laughs) she forewarned me that it was, she had prior obligations. Um, she said, don't take it personal. Um, so let me, let me read the word. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning, God. Thank you that, Lord, you, what it teaches us, Lord, as I study this week, Father, thank you for meeting me. Thank you for 
conviction that is brought about by your Holy Spirit. God, teach us today. <clears throat> Convict us, Lord, where, where we fall short, God. Exhort us, God, where we um, need exhorting. And God, move in this place. Be glorified in our lives, Lord, outside of Sunday. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so First uh, John was written by John the the Apostle. Um, it's it's the first of three epistles that are written by John. John's referred to as this, the disciple that Jesus loved. He wrote the fourth gospel, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. So he speaks here with great authority, and today we read it with reverence, as I believe this is, a, this is the word that the Lord would have for us today. Verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father is not in him. First, I want to bring clarity to what John is referring to here when he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. So, in the, uh, in the Bible, the, the term world can refer to, to a couple of different things. So first, uh, we can be referring to the physical earth, the, the, the trees, the, the mountains, the planets, uh, creation. Uh, an example of this would be John 13 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. So, Jesus speaking of, he's leaving this world, he's going, going to heaven. To, and so he's talking about creation as a whole. So, the other term that we are referring to when we speak about the world is, is a sinful group of humanity that is united in rebellion against God. So here in verse 15, John, John's not talking about um, creation as a whole, but he's talking about that the actions of people, the, the, the corrupt and sinful group of humanity that desires to rebel against God. Now, now John's also, he isn't talking about not loving people. So, so don't be confused when we say you can't love the world. God says um, in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so, Jesus calls us to love God and love people. So, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And we know that God does not contradict himself. So Jesus says, love God and love people. And we also know that John 3.16 says, God for God so loved the world. 
So as Christians, we love people, but we don't love or partake in the sinful behaviors and beliefs of the group of humanity that is united against God in rebellion. Um, so when I refer to the world today, that um, I'm talking about the common practices um, of sinful beliefs, not the physical universe. The second part of verse 15 says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The book of James also talks about this in chapter 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Some examples of the pulls, the temptations, maybe the, the things of the world, the, the nice cars, the nice, any material item. So boats and money and, and even maybe one that, that we don't sometimes realize, but uh, even our family sometimes can be that idol that takes a takes away from the love that we are called to have for, for the Lord, that distracts us from the work that the Lord would have for us. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. We're in a country here that is full of excess. We, we really need for nothing. Um, the, the distractions that we're faced with, um, I think that's why the Lord would have this for us today, because the distractions that we're faced with are easy to give in to. God is holy and he does not tolerate sin. Psalm 5 says, 5 verse 4 says, You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. So God is holy and the world is sinful. And when we choose to follow Jesus, God takes you out of this, out of this world and Ezekiel says, replaces your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. You're a new creation in Christ. You no longer belong to this world, but you belong to God. You've been bought and paid for at a price. Your ransom costs Jesus, the Holy Son of God, his life. So someone died for you. The Son of God, Jesus, died for you and for me. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity is being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. If you love the world, you oppose and are hostile to God. Who's God's number one adversary? It's Satan. Satan is, is of the world. In fact, he leads the rebellion of the world against God. 
The world has an anti-Jesus motive and a a way of operating. God's love is not in us if we love the world. Verse 16 says, "For For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So what are the desires of the flesh? What are the desires of the eyes? Galatians tells us, chapter 5, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do, not, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm reminded of a story excuse me, in Genesis 19 of Sodom and Gomorrah. Vile cities that the Lord destroyed by raining fire down from heaven. But not before he saved Lot and his family. Sodom and Gomorrah are good examples um, of the world. Or perhaps parts of, of this country. We talked about June being um, just a month where we celebrate homosexuality and and gay pride and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we can spit in the face of the word any more than Blatant disobedience. It says, let's be proud of, of our sin that's in rebellion against God. Sodom and Gomorrah were engulfed in the desires of the flesh. The works of the flesh talked about in Galatians were rampant. Lot and his family are good examples of people who would, would maybe profess to love Jesus and not be of the world. Lot took the, the angels of the Lord into his house to protect them from the people of Sodom who desired to... be sexually immoral with them. Lot even offered up his own own virgin daughters in lieu of offered up his daughters
to be honoring to the Lord. That uh, wasn't in my notes. I think I'm going to stick to them from now on. Um, uh, as Lot and his family were running away from Sodom and running towards, as they were running away from, from what we would call the world being Sodom and running towards safety being life in Jesus, Lot's wife, who we would say is fleeing from the world, so we say she, she loves Christ, she turns back to look at the, at the city and God turns her into a pillar of salt. The angels of the Lord had warned her to obey what they had what they had to obey what they had said to her, and that was, "As you flee, don't look back. Run away from this world, and don't look back." It's a warning that God gave Adam and Eve. Don't eat from this tree. It's just like John is warning us not to love and obey the world, but love and obey Jesus. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Verse 17 tells us that this world, this, this sinful world is passing away. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's been said that there are two things in this life that you can't beat. Death and taxes. I don't have a way to beat taxes, but I have a way to beat death. Jesus conquered death when he rose from the grave. There's no hope out of this life without Jesus. He holds the key to eternity. He says, and Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart one believes and is justified, and it is with your mouth one confesses and is saved. <coughs> but, but is it really that easy? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved? Is it really that easy? It, it is that easy. God made it simple for us because he knew he would screw it up. But the world has tried to complicate it by hijacking the word belief or believe. Believe and you will be saved. People, so, people say, well, I, I, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I don't, I don't love the world. But, but do we really believe? 
Do you really not love and hope in the things of the world? The entertainment, the nice clothes, the fancy cars, the pretty houses, the big saving accounts. Let's say somebody steals a dollar from you. Would you think you'd be upset? Maybe, maybe a little, you know, feeling someone stole from you, I got violated, or, um, but it's a dollar. Uh, we probably, I know we waste that on Starbucks coffee for sure. Um, so, so it's a dollar. We'll probably move on. We'll probably, probably think that's ah, it's not the end of the world. It's a dollar. I could borrow one from John later. He's got plenty. So, um, now if someone, but but what if someone stole? Let's say you have it. If someone stole a hundred thousand dollars from you. Think about that for just a minute. Someone you have it in your bank account. Someone really stole $100,000 from you? How do you think he would feel? Most of, us, most of us would probably think, oh man, life's over. Like, what? How, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to make my car payment? How am I going to feed my family? My, my retirement nest egg's gone. Now I got to work the rest of my life. I think we would be mad, we'd be frustrated, we'd be hurt, we'd be upset. So, what does that show us about our love for the things of the world? Is God still not the same today? When your money is gone as he was yesterday when you had it? Isn't God still sovereign? Doesn't he still control all things? Our love for the world is probably a little bit stronger than we think. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So believe and you will be saved. When we believe something, that belief causes us or moves us into action. Our belief causes us to move towards or away from something. So, so think for a minute. You're out camping. And you go on a little hike with your wife and your family and you don't take a GPS and you walk out in the trees and it's starting to get dark and you turn around and you come home and and you're kind of not wondering where you are 
or you kind of are wondering where you are. You're not sure where you are. You, you come to this fork in the road. And you're like, which, which way is back to the camp? Which way is, which way is back to camp? And your wife says, oh, it's this way. You, you better go that way. Even if it's not the right way. But, um, <coughs> or you'll be sleeping outside while she's in the trailer. Um, if you ever find it. No, but so you, so you come to this fork in the road, and you're, and you're not sure where the camp is. You believe that it's this way. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, yep. I believe. I believe camp. Camp is this way. It's to the left. You're not going to go right. If you if you really believe the camp is over here, you're not going this way. That would be foolish. Our belief causes us to move towards or away from something. Jesus says in John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you believe in him. And if you believe in him, you will obey him. Not because our obedience saves us. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no man can boast. So we know our works don't save us. Isaiah 64 says, Your works are like filthy rags to the Lord. He doesn't want them. They, they, they do nothing for your salvation. There is no value in your works for salvation. There's none. You obey Jesus because you believe that is where life is found. You obey Jesus because you believe him when he says in chapter 4 of John, whoever drinks of me will never thirst again. You obey Jesus because you believe he is worthy to be praised. If you love Jesus, obedience will flow out of you. Obedience to his commands obedience to reading of his word, obedience to him in prayer, and yes, even obedience to him in carrying out the great commission. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So here's my wrestle this week. Can you love Jesus and not tell people about him?
Can you love Jesus and not tell people about him? The world says, confess your sins and live quietly and, you're, and you'll be fine. You're good. The world says, you don't have to go to church and fellowship and be accountable and use your gifts to edify the body. The world says you can believe and that is enough. And I say, if our belief doesn't pour out of us in the form of obedience, then it isn't true belief. If our belief puts us on the sidelines where we can live our life how we want and still love Jesus, then I say our belief is not real belief. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? We must lose our life. We must lose this life to find a love and hope in Jesus Christ. If we say we are followers of Christ, yet we don't look different than the world, the way we act, the things we say, the material items we run after, then the love of the Father is not in us. Verse 17 says, But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what is the will of God? Will by definition is the thing one desires or ordains. So, so the thing, singular, not things, that one desires or ordains. So God has one will for your life. Wrestled through this this weekend. Like, what does it boil down to? What is, what is the will of God for your life boiled down to? And I think it boils down to bringing Him glory. We cannot glorify the Father if we choose to love the things of the world. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. 
because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Jesus is the rock in which we put all of our hope. He is the foundation of our faith. With Him, no storm can cause us to fall into darkness. The world is the sand, and all who hope in it will suffer a great fall for all of eternity. Matthew 7 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. Examine your hearts today. You know if you've built your house on the sand. You know if you've been serving two masters. And you know if you've been loving this world. And take joy in hearing that today for you is the day of repentance. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. I'm going to call the uh, the worship team up as we wrap up. During this next song, or songs if need be, but during this next song, if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you a need for repentance today, today is the day. Humble ourselves, come forward for prayer. Come forward for confession and walk in a heart of repentance. Take one foot out of the world and plant them firmly in the house that is built on the rock. Run to Jesus, He is where life is found. 
Do not let the temptations of this world lead you to worship it. Be bold. Walk in obedience of Jesus today. Maybe for the first time. Or come running back to Him. And out of you will flow rivers of living water.